0: Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Managing Editor James Kleiman to talk about who's winning the purchase market this year and how home builders fit into the mix. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking to Desmond Smith, Chief Growth Officer at UWM, about SafeCheck. Desmond, how does SafeCheck work?
1: Hey, Sarah, how are you? So I would say first, you know, SafeCheck is allowing uh, LOs to give their borrowers peace of mind. So I'd start there. You know, trigger leads have become a very large issue, not just in the mortgage space, but in any time someone's getting any type of credit. So, we created SafeCheck to help prevent kind of that um, aggravation and nuance of receiving, you know, tens, twenties, hundreds of calls that consumers receive. So, what happens with SafeCheck is any LO who uses UWM, it's an exclusive product, SafeCheck is to UWM, they would be able to either pull a single or tri merge soft pool credit report. And while that credit report is being used to run a US they will have time to opt their consumer out of any solicitations and then therefore they will not receive all of those annoying calls and annoying solicitations and that is also a big benefit because the the cost of the credit bureau is much cheaper by leveraging SafeChat. so it really is a win um, for LO's and it's obviously a win for consumers who they don't receive so many phone calls Um, offering all different types of products and services.
0: I can see how that could be a game changer. Thank you, Desmond. And listeners, you can find out more at uwm.com. James, welcome back to the podcast.
2: Hey, good to be back, Sarah.
0: Great to have you back. We are right in the thick of earnings season. We have so much going on. I would like to start with um, the Data Digest story that you wrote this week, which really looked at who had won market share over the last year, especially in the first quarter of 2023, um, and, and what that looked like? Because I thought that was super interesting. You know, we wrote a story in 2021, 2022, talking about who's going to win the purchase market. And then to see kind of what, what some of those um, outcomes really
2: were, I think is really interesting. So let's start there. Yeah. So what we wanted to do, as you mentioned, is is really assess what's happened since the Fed really started hiking the interest rates. Now they had warned for several months prior to the actual first hike, which was in March, middle of March in 2022. Uh, And so the market like by that point had kind of baked in uh, some expectation that rates were going to climb, that inflation was going to be a major priority for the administration and also for the federal policymakers. And, um, you know, obviously it's been, um, what about I don't know, 20, 20 months, give or take 20 something months. And so we wanted to see who was best prepared or who we thought at the time would be best prepared to operate in what we call a purchase market, right? When there are very few refi opportunities, when you really need to have kind of a ground game, as they say in politics, right? Knocking on doors, making sure that real estate agents, financial advisors, other really solid sources of leads know who you are and know you can execute on the loan, and, and that's a very different business than running kind of a refi focused operation, which is you know a lot of um, making sure that the leads that you do have, whether they're in your own system from prior clients or you're buying leads, that you have more of like an efficient model, um, just just in terms of providing somebody a good financial deal. You know, it's a little bit different than having the trust, the confidence, the personal relationship with, um, you know, another third party, and in most cases, a real estate agent. So at the time, we took a look at, okay, we're, we're in the first quarter of 2022. The Fed has just hiked the rates. They haven't really fully materialized in terms of the business. So who are the top lenders and who are the top lenders specifically when it comes to purchase? And how did they do from that period to basically now, right? So the end of the first quarter in 2023. And at the time, uh, a little more than a year ago, UWM and Penny, Penny Mac were the largest, uh, you know, purchase market lenders in America. And they go about it in very different ways. Although Penny Mac does have a wholesale operation, they do have, um, you know, some other uh, operating efficiencies in different channels. Primarily speaking, they operate in the correspondent channel and they buy loans through other other lenders. And then, you know, in a lot of cases, um, it's it's really because they want to uh, buttress their servicing strength, um, but they're not going out there specifically and talking to real estate agents. They're not doing kind of that business. UWM, they operate... 100% through brokers. That is all they do. And brokers traditionally are a little stronger in the purchase market because, you know, as is true with a lot of distributed retail lenders, they have to work with real estate agents. That is kind of the fuel of their business. And so if, if I can pull it up here, at the time, UWM in the first quarter of 2022 had just originated $19.1 billion in purchase volume that was 49% of their mix. So 51% of their business at the time was in refis. Uh, And overall for purchase, they had about 5.3% of the market and Penny Mac. They had originated 17.35 billion in purchase loans in the first quarter of 2022. That was 4.8% of the market. And similar to UWM, they had almost a 50, 50 distribution for refi and purchase and then when you go down the rest of the list, I mean, it's, it's kind of a who's who of big banks and big IMBs. And, and this is all sourced, by the way, from Inside Mortgage Finance, which produces an incredible amount of really excellent uh, data. And so they had number three being Wells Fargo, uh, $16.8 billion, 4.7% market share. New Res Caliber, $14.6 billion, 4% market share. Chase Manhattan- Sorry, JP Morgan Chase nowadays, I used to know it as Chase Manhattan, uh, was $12.7 billion and percent market share. Rocket Mortgage, $12.5 percent market share. Guaranteed Rate, $11.1 billion, 3.1% market share. Number eight was US Bank, $9.5 billion and 2.7% market share. Number nine, Fairway. 8.8 billion 2.4% market share and the number 10 loan Depot, which had 8 billion and that was good for 2.2% market share. And so when we started kind of looking into this in March April of 2022 we spoke to a lot of industry professionals a lot of uh, you know folks who are consultants who look at what is the difference between refi? What is the difference between purchase operationally? How do you change your business model if you've done 75, 80% purchase uh, refi, excuse me, um, which was true of a lot of those lenders in 2022? How do you change that business to really uh, capitalize as much as possible on a purchase market? And it is not easy. It is really, really difficult. And, um, and so we want to take a look at today, or first quarter of 2023, uh, what does that look like? And so why don't we scroll down and we're going to show you number one on Inside Mortgage Finances list was PennyMac at $20.6 billion originated in purchase mortgages in the first quarter of 2023, and that was 8.2% market share. Number two was UWM. They had 19.2 billion. That's actually more than they did a year prior in purchase mortgages. And they had 7.7% market share. Number three by volume was Rocket Mortgage at 9.4% billion and 3.8% market share. Number four was US Bank, 8.8 billion, 3.5%. And then we start really dropping. So Amerihome Mortgage, they're primarily doing correspondent business. They were number 5 they had 7 billion in purchase loans 2.8% market share guaranteed rate was number 6 6.6 billion and 2.6% market share noris caliber fell to 5.8 billion and 2.3% market share and then we've got a few other new names on the list Planted home lending was number 8 fairway was still right about where they were a year ago at 5.5 billion 2.2% and then you get a bunch of big banks And then you get a lot of home builders. And so when we talk about what we saw a year ago and kind of our expectation, we thought the guaranteed rate, the movement, the caliber, the, um, you know, kind of distributed retail lenders, Guild, a bunch of others would really jump from, say, 2% of the market in purchase to maybe 3%, maybe, maybe even 4%, right? I don't think that was an unfathomable... Um, expectation when you consider that they are generally speaking, you know, operating more of a purchase focused business than a lot of their rivals were a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And so one would imagine that they would have stronger ties to real estate agents who were doing business. And if you're doing right by those agents, you would think that you're in a better position as a loan officer, as a lender to capitalize on that. What we found was like, That was true to some extent, um, but not across the board. And so what we found was, you know, guaranteed rate, for example, they slipped from having 3.1% of the market in purchase in the first quarter of 2022 to 2.6% a year later. Fairway similarly dropped from 2.4% market share of purchase to 2.2% a year later. Guild fell a little bit from 1.1% to 1%, cross-country fell from one7 to one6 uh, And really only of that group did movement mortgage increase their share. And they went to 1.6% from 1.4% a year earlier. And so I wanted to kind of look a little bit further into why maybe some of those lenders didn't quite grow or grow at all. Um, and why others maybe did So well. So, UWM, for example, did, I mean, a really astonishing amount of purchase business. They've always been kind of close to that space, but never like they have been in the last year. And so, UWM, you know, for those who have followed, they pulled out all the tricks of the trade. They have really tried to juice up that purchase business. And so, they've cut rates 50 to 100 basis points in a lot of cases. They've given their broker LOs the option to cut you know, even further on certain deals, you know, they've given them a share and said, Hey, like here's X amount of, of BIPs and and you use that how you see fit. Right. Um, they've also really just gone very hard at trying to knock out some of their rivals in the wholesale channel. And so they grew in the wholesale channel from about a third to more than half, you know, uh, around that period. Right. And so, UWM probably lost money, you know, on, on kind of a rate basis, right? If you're, if you're giving out 100 basis point discounts, like that's going to affect your bottom line, right? But they're gaining so much more in market share because they were offering a better deal than anybody else, you know? And, and I know Matt Ishpia, the the president and CEO, UWM, he doesn't think that what PennyMag even does is... Is similar at all, so he doesn't count PennyMac as as like the rightful number one in purchase, uh, for what it's worth. I I mean, they're obviously different businesses. PennyMac, I I imagine, would feel differently, Um, but you know, those are the two that gained the most market share of anybody by far. You know, and and PennyMac benefited significantly from the banks, you know, exiting that correspondence space, and from a lot of the smaller banks not having, um, you know, the scale to do a lot of lending that maybe. You know, others would have expected. So I think that explains the top two, but doesn't explain some of the others. And we'll get to a little bit more of that in a bit.
0: I do think it's really interesting. I mean, when you look at 2022, the fact that um, on that list, UWM uh, had the most market share at 5.3%. You and I have talked about this before. It is just shocking. And, and of course, that's just the purchase loans, but it's shocking that things are so distributed that the largest you know, the largest market share was was 5.3. And then, of course, this year, um, all the way up to 8.2% penny-MAC. Or if you're looking at a different kind of model, UWM 7.7%. Still, like, I mean, that's not like 15% or 20%. It, mortgage still remains so distributed, I think.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, nobody's really taken off. The, at the last maybe major, 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 Behemoth that had more than 10% overall market share, you'd have to go back to like, what, probably countrywide in 05, 06, maybe, right? Uh, I mean, really, since then, it's it's been kind of a lot of companies at the 3%, 2%, 4% kind of mark. Um, but, but, you know, Rocket had a run in which they were, I think they were around 9% at their height, maybe a little shy of that, but But definitely doing really well. And that's when they were, I mean, they were wiping the floor with everybody in terms of refis. They were doing more than double the next biggest lender in refis. And even then, they didn't have 10% market share. And that was in a very different market, right? So, you know, purchase is is just a a harder market because there's always going to be less volume, right? Like, There's just not going to be as many homes that trade as people who can just do nothing but, you know cash in on having a lower rate. It's it's just a totally different business. Um, and so I, I think it's really interesting because you see a lot of trends that we've reported on here and there sort of kind of materialize in these, I, I guess you could call it a rankings, but, um, you know, for example, we talked a little bit about some of those big banks. And while it's true that Wells Fargo and JPMorgan Chase, according to, you know, just as very, very, you know, one year snapshot they have declined but US bank grew much bigger and JP Morgan Chase when the rankings come out next quarter is probably going to have grown because they absorb first republic bank which was one of the biggest jumbo lenders in America right so you know that I think is interesting the big banks have lost ground overall um but they are still very much an active player in purchase probably, and, and probably will continue to be because the average consumer still doesn't know who UWM is. They don't know who PennyMac is. They don't know who, but they know who their bank is, right? You know, and so you're always going to be able to find a good amount of business that's going to go to the depository banks, even with all of the conditions that they're facing. Now they've got new Basel Three rules and, and it's going to be even harder for them to, to compete in this market. But I, I think they're going to remain pretty steady, even if it's not going to remain, you know, J. B. Morgan Chase number one, Wells Fargo number two, or vice versa. Uh, maybe U. S. Bank climbs. Maybe you know, City City actually kind to of climb the rankings. Bank of America did comparatively pretty well, and and you know, those are two institutions that really retreated from mortgage for the better part of a decade, right? So, you know, I think that's really interesting. Um, I think it also underscores a lot of the challenges just in in being a purchase focused lender. You know. Guaranteed Rate is a really well, um, you know, well-run company. in In a lot of respects, they have a lot of name recognition as well. They have a lot of huge producers that are all about purchase business, and they lost market share. It's not easy to do this job, right? Even if you are kind of built for it, so to speak. So, you know, a, a lot of credit goes to um, you know the, those who did uh, end up gaining market share over that period because not everyone did.
0: Those are excellent insights. You know, you mentioned home builders and we see DHI mortgage um up on the 2023 list it's at uh number 12 and you know if you look at that they have 2% market share and I think that just shows you it's not like wow builders are building so many homes it's just that of the of the purchased market right of the homes being sold uh for for you know that first loan it's like you know, the builders have more inventory than other people. They still don't have very much. It's not like, oh, there's just so many homes being built. It just shows you that overall
2: the inventory is so low on existing homes. Sure. And I think it also kind of speaks to the model here, right? And so when I talk to LOs, a lot of them are really frustrated because depending on the market, you know, the the new home sales might be 35% uh, of of what's even available for someone to purchase. And unless you have some sort of an in (laughs) Or uh, you know, have some kind of, I, I guess you'd call it like a like a lending hack. You're probably not going to get the business because these large national home builders, their their funnel. Uh, I know it's kind of a business buzzword, but their funnel is set up to capture business through their home building lending arms. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at D.R. Horton, the, the number one home builder in America and has been for quite some time, they did about $4.5 billion in purchase mortgages in the first quarter of 2022. That was about 1.2% of the market. I, I don't even recall if they were in the top 25. A year later, when interest rates are you know in the sixes and sevens, they did $5 billion in purchase mortgages in the first quarter of 2023. And that was good for 2% market share. So they almost doubled their market share. And the reason they're able to do this is because their operating margins are 25%, in good quarters, 30%. And, And what they can do is they can offer the buyer of a new home in Melbourne, Florida, they can say, hey man, how about this? You go through my mortgage company or my affiliated mortgage company DHI and you go through my title company as well and we're going to cut 15 grand we're going to give that to you in in the form of a permanent rate buy down and so you go with guaranteed rate you go with cross country you go with a UWM affiliated broker and they're going to give you 6.9 and that's the best they can do because any lower and they're not just like losing a little bit of money on that loan they're losing a lot of bit of money on that loan they're, lo- they're they're losing their shirt on that loan me you know maybe my operating margin went from 25 to 12 that's okay <laughs> I th- I think I'll sleep easy knowing that I still have a 12% gain on sale margin when it's all said and done. That's including, you know, dealing with all of the labor issues in home building, dealing with all of the uh, you know, material shortages. Maybe I can't find garage doors that month for whatever reason, right? Like there are so many challenges that a home builder has to deal with, and they still have such fat margins. that that nobody can compete, like they just can't compete. No business that is only doing lending is designed to get margins like that. I mean, even think back to the best times when refis were very plentiful, when it was 67, 70% of the market, and you have these major call center-focused lenders that are running out, we thought at the time were silly margins, those were 4.8%, 5% you know like nowhere near 25%. Now, you know, Rocket is not building houses in in North Carolina, right? So it's not the same business, but they're just not they're not competing in the same industries. <laughs> and and so that's really hard. That is really
0: hard. Um, we had a feature this week from Bill Conroy on home builders, which really look t- took a look at like here's what, here's where they've been, but where are they going? What's the demand going to look like? Because um, you know their stocks have been up, they've been booming for your, for all the reasons you just said. Um, let's dive into that feature a little bit and talk about what Bill sees as yes, they're doing great, but what does the future look like?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a really fascinating environment right now because on the one hand, you know, they still have a huge problem with labor shortages. Um, you have subcontractors that just don't show up for work the next day and suddenly like, okay, you know, you can't just build that bathroom that day. Right. And um, that's happening in, in basically every region across America. They're affected by interest rates being high as well. They're not as affected as maybe more of the, the regional and smaller home builders. So this is kind of where you get into some of the same circumstances that, um, you know, permit maybe the largest lenders to gain market share and some of the smaller lenders uh, to really contract or, you know, end up having to sell their business to another, another mortgage lender. And, And that's because if you're a publicly traded you know, national home builder, you have the leverage of just being able to amass debt that is so much cheaper. If you're a mid small kind of home builder, you're getting construction financing and it's going to be north of 10%, right? And so that's a really, that puts you on the back foot pretty much immediately. And then you also have to think about kind of the the lifespan of of the build, right? It doesn't start when somebody puts a shovel in the ground. It starts when they acquire the land or when they even start bidding on that land. And in a lot of cases, you know, big home builders bought some of those tracts in Florida, in Arizona, in all corners of, of the Southeast. That's really the epicenter, by the way, the Southeast. Um, and they bought that five years ago, 10 years ago, and they've just been sitting on it. If you try to buy that land today, you would probably pay more than double, or you know, three times, four times what you would what they paid, you know, five ten years ago. And so there are just you know scale advantages that the large home builders have that the smaller home builders don't. Um, but then you also have to look at their their incentives, and they operate as businesses. They don't operate because. They have this belief system that like, we need more homes in America. I mean, they probably believe that, but their responsibility is to their shareholders. And so they're not building every single home they can right now. I mean, they're trying to complete a lot of the backlog that they've had caused by, you know, all kinds of issues, chiefly um, interest rates and, um, you know, labor shortages and material problems. But they're about 30% of the market overall at this point in time. And according to the experts that Bill spoke to, that's probably pretty close to the max. And so if you look at the inventory shortage, depending on who you talk to, we're building about 900,000 homes on an annual basis to even get par to stop like the, that year shortage, not including, you know, other demographic changes, new household formation uh, changes that, that always occur every year. Right. You need to hit 1.1 million at minimum, like at bare minimum. We're, and we're, we're talking about like basically peak performance. They're incentivized to construct and permit as many homes as they can possibly get right now. And we still have hugely favorable demographics on the demand side, right? Think about all the boomers and all the millennials who are, if not in a good position right now, should be coming into peak earning years. We have wealth transfers coming from boomers. who are going to be dying or changing their estates, right? We have so many reasons to think that there is going to be a wellspring of demand for probably the next part of the decade. And home builders look at the market now and say, we're at 30%. That's great. That's the best we can do. We're going to focus on what makes most sense for our business. And existing home sales are, you know, sadly for, I, I would think at least the next six months, just going to continue to drop. That's my perspective. I, I know others disagree.
0: I mean, Here's the reality too. You build a home and you sell it, it becomes an existing home. So, I mean, it, it's part of the thing with the with the home builders is every time they uh build and sell a home, that now becomes their competition for the next time they they're trying to sell a home. And so they, you know, that's also incentivizing them to be like, why would we flood the market with our competition like this? So they've to your point, they've they've been throttling for a while and it just makes sense from a business standpoint for them, but it just doesn't help the overall
2: market. And they're offering these huge incentives now, and they're offering them because affordability is at an absolute crisis point right and And so they can do that now because their margins are really good, but maybe when rates are down in the low sixes, not the we're at like seven two today last I checked um they're not going to be offering such incentives. does that mean that existing home sales are going to? you know, increase because rates are lower? I mean, we we don't really know because we haven't seen this, this sort of strange, you know, like eclipse where you have seasonality questions along with rates just being totally off kilter. So like, we don't know if seasonality is even a thing now or if it's entirely dependent on just what the rate is. So from the existing home sales perspective, I don't know that, anybody who's going to buy at 6%. We know that the home builders are having success when they drop that rate to a little under 5.5%. They have a really good number of buyers for each property, not as successful at 6%. Will we get to 5.5% in the next six months? I think it's pretty unlikely. Yeah, I do too.
0: Unfortunately, I mean, it's so rough for our industry when you have interest rates this high. I mean, there's just, it kind of locks us in. Whether you want to say that's a mortgage rate lockdown or not, I know I know, uh, even Logan and I have a disagreement about that. But whatever you can say is that people are staying in their homes longer for a lot of reasons and affordability is just at an all-time low. It's just so rough.
2: Yeah, and like even the boomers who I, I think would have traditionally been a cohort that would be more likely to move, right? You have medical issues, you have, you know, maybe grandkids in, in another area. And and um today we're we're just we're seeing a lot less mobility than we used to. We're seeing a lot more of them saying, This is my forever home. You know, whatever home they, they got in 2020 and 2021 or before that, that's the home they're probably gonna stick around in. And so you just you don't see um, as much movement, you don't see as much liquidity in those markets. And, and that's the generation that has all the money. So until there's a major wealth transfer, um, you know, and, and, and there will be one, right. That, that is inevitable. The housing market comes in cycles. You know, if we were talking about this era in 1972, we'd probably have a lot of the same, you know, um, not, not everyone, of course, but we'd have a lot of the same talking points. So, you know, these, these things come and go. And, um, you know, I, I just don't know how many of these businesses are durable enough to survive. You know, we, we operate in a landscape where we've had, relatively speaking, cheap rates for a couple decades, right? Since 08, even before that, 07, you know, it's so almost 20 years of, relatively speaking, pretty low rates. It is possible that that never happens again. And we'll need to see a a different level of support either from the government or wages need to change or, you know, new household formations, right?
0: We, we always get into the like, okay, where do we go from here? I, I love that. And James, thanks for being on. I really appreciate the reporting that you guys are doing, the features. There's so many good features this week we didn't even get to talk about. There's one on Rocket and, and kind of are they changing their business model, which I would encourage people to go look at. and Maybe we'll have you back on to talk about that. But really appreciate like who are the winners in this market and then keeping an eye on HomeBuilders. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me.